Welcome to a special episode of Ed's Not Dead. We call it Teacher Tips. Right, boys? Teacher Tips. <laughs> teacher Tips. Teacher right. Tips. Teacher Tips. Um, yes. It is our segment where we get down in the weeds on teaching and learning. And uh, for those of you out there that are interested in the art and science of teaching, this is where we really get into it. So tonight we're going to be talking about the all-important checking for understanding. I know that this is a favorite of yours, Mr. Siddons. Yes. Uh, one, I, I would say the check for understanding wave uh, over the last 25 years 20 years, um, has been a very positive development in education. Uh, when I first started teaching, there was, I don't recall anybody talking about systematic checking for understanding. Hmm. Uh, um, I mean, I think that's, we did it in various ways, but I'm not sure how intentional hmm. we, we were about it. And other than the whole, you know, are there any questions? Uh, that's, that might have been as far it's, as we got. That's pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's no a, questions. Everybody got it. All yeah. Right, no, it's a, great. It's a go-to. I remember when, when, when the first, I, I saw my, my dear friend Jane Gallagher using whiteboards in the late 90s. Across Ooh. the hall from you? And across the hall from me taught me how to teach. And I was like, what are those? <laughs> Uh, what are those? <laughs> what are those? And what are you doing? And why do the kids have socks? Why are they why are they wiping the dry erase? Okay. So anyway, so you get the point. Yes. Checking for understanding is a critical part of um the instructional process. Ideas, thoughts about checking for understanding. I'm going to make an executive decision here. We're going to start with the teacher specialist in the group. I think uh, one of the reasons why I wanted, I vied for talking about this is because oftentimes we collectively will wait until the end of the lesson to figure out if kids learned what we wanted them to learn. And by then, it's it's oftentimes, well, for all intents and purposes, it's too late. Um, they've already done what they need to do in the lesson and there's you're waiting until it's too late to actually figure out if they understood it so i wanted to focus on things that you can do as a teacher that don't really cost a lot of much in terms of time equity or just in general what could you do to check for understanding during the lesson and and figure out to the extent to which kids are understanding what you're talking about and what you're trying to help them learn that. All right. So how are we going to do go? How are we going to do that? You set it up. What are you doing? Uh, Well, excellent setup. Other than just saying 53 ways to understand. understand. Right. I think there are ways that you can do this if they're working in groups. And and one of the things I wanted to write about in the, the future blog is doing so with a clipboard. And it's a simple 20th century strategy where you have your roster, uh, your, your school list, your, class list and you have the assignment that they're working on or the skill that they're working on and you create a little code for yourself to figure out the extent to which kids are doing what you ask them to do or learning what you ask them to learn Um, and that could be broken down by skill and one of the examples I provided was um, claim writing evidence analysis of the claim so as you're going around and kids are working you can give them a score of one through five or a check or a, a, a minus or whatever works for you to kind of figure out where they are so that you can pull small groups or determine what your next steps are going to be to be, because as a teacher, you have to be thinking on your feet and moving as the kids are moving. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you just go with the lesson as it's planned and 45% of the kids are not getting it or they're not doing what you expect them to do, you got to do something different. So that was one of the ways in which I felt like mid-lesson checks for understanding could be 
uh, effective and, and not so time consuming for teachers. Okay. Okay. So how do you how do you how do you really um, scaffold that up for high school teachers teaching AP courses or really higher level content? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what does that look like? You know, you're, you're, you're probably not going to remediate or intervene to a large degree in in a, in a, I guess you can in a high school AP course, AP class. Right. What what are your thoughts? Cause you get, you get into high school classrooms. What, how could you see that used in with kids that are excelling? I think, uh, that for me, I, I feel like the most effective way at least initially, would be to do something as simple as an, if you have an exit card at the end of the lesson. I know that I said that it's not the most effective way if you're trying to move your lesson or mm-hmm. change around your lesson midway. Mm-hmm. But if you have an exit card at the end of the lesson, you do a quick sort with you know a short statement, whatever whatever that you're asking kids to write, not saying like a five paragraph essay, but it, uh, do a quick sort: who got it, who didn't get it, or put it into three categories: who got it, who's on the way, and and who did not meet mastery. And then you form your groups for the next lesson that would that you could tailor your instruction to those particular three groups of kids. And I'm not saying like doing something extremely different, but the kids who did not meet mastery, they're meeting with you, the teacher, to clarify concepts, to make things clear, and to figure out wh- where the sticking points were for those particular students. I'm not, and I'm not talking about a 15 to 20 minute thing. Maybe it's five to eight minutes or something. But does that kind of checking always have to drive differentiation? I think it should because you should be using data to drive your instruction to figure out the extent to which kids know things already or have mastered it already to to provide extensions if necessary. If we're not using data to drive instruction, you're just teaching kids with what you think they know or don't know. And, and if that's the case, I, I, just, I mean, it calls into question a lot of things all the way up to curriculum, to standards, um, and, and to the coursework that we're asking kids to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mr. Krebs? I'm going to go a little more new school mm. um, and use a couple tech- technological ways to check for understanding Yeah, that uh, I've seen teachers use that are pretty pretty highly engaging for kids. So one is a nice little game called Kahoot. Ooh. Perhaps you've seen it around. Yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you, you just – it's an – interactive online um, quiz that you can give kids um, and you can track results. Kids get highly competitive, always want to be in the lead, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's got some really killer background music that the kids like to listen to. Um, but with that being said, it also gives you kind of immediate real-time data that you can get everybody's answers and look at them within span of five minutes. Uh, another one, and I'll kind of put a plug in here. Maybe I'm doing a product placement Ooh. i'm not entirely sure but it's uh it's called nearpod um and it's something where it's sort of like interactive f- flip charts uh, to some extent that you can use with kids where they're going along with you as you're doing them but one of the one of the funny ways that i've seen teachers check for understanding is like okay we just did this this and this now draw your understanding of it mm-hmm. and for the most part kids have like laptops with a finger and like a touchpad so the drawings are like really crappy and not good and that's not the point that they're supposed to be these like highly stylized but they immediately show some idea that they can do with like a stick person or a couple numbers or um you know some sort of emoji or or um or small picture that lets you as the teacher immediately you kind of look at all of them as a board 
and you can say, okay, I can see what you were thinking, you were thinking, you were thinking, you were thinking. Um, then maybe you call in a kid, you're like, oh, explain to us what you were thinking here. And the kids really get a kick out of seeing what the other ones have drawn. A lot of times because they're, so, they're such like ridiculous and bad drawings, mm-hmm. but they can can be highly effective at, um, at conveying an idea. So Nice. Yeah. And I guess the last thing that I'll say... There's no shortage just, here. Just going. I got, I got one just, too. I'm just going. Okay. So well, in, I mean, I didn't go, but that's well, okay. you already you already made an executive decision to pass the <laughs> yeah, buck. Yeah, okay. right. uh, So going back to Robbie saying, any questions? But going back to questioning and questioning with a purpose. Um, so I've seen some of the most highly effective teaching that I've seen, specifically in a math classroom, has to do when you really just sit with a kid and you're just like. Why did you do that? Explain what you did here. Why did you put that mm-hmm. there? What did you mean by this? Why did you do that? And just asking. And what that really allows the teacher to do is unpack that specific student's thinking. Mm-hmm. So in math, let's just say a student gets the wrong answer. So you assume you know why they did it, even if you can see their work. But you can't necessarily get inside, well, why did you put those erroneous numbers right. there? What was your understanding of what the question was asking or the process that it was asking you to do. So that requires a lot more small group, intensive, one-on-one, potentially at times, um, asking of questions to really like get inside a student's head and thinking. But it's, you know, if you really want to know where a student went wrong, you know, it's a it's a fabulous nice. method to do so. Yeah. Do, you, do you think there's any, any real role for uh, peer-to-peer checking for understanding? I do. I think it has to be... You have to have a lot of steps in place or structures in place. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about Casey Siddons type structures. I'm just talking about oh, they, having a positive classroom environment right. and making sure that kids and teachers are respectful to each other and that that environment is set up for them to do so. Because otherwise, it, it's all for nothing. The kids know what they're looking for. Correct. I mean, they have to know what they're looking for. Yeah, everything has to be explicitly clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think I think you can have kids engage in peer editing. Absolutely, and, and um, I mean, Writers Workshop was a model once upon a time where mm-hmm. where where it was really very peer to peer dependent. Yeah, kind of kind of feedback and work kids did the revisions that they did. Kids were very involved with each other in that in that process. Um, uh, Mr. Sith, go ahead. I would like to say uh, um, a lot of my work is with brand new teachers and. I know that I struggled well into a couple of years in, into my career where in terms of pacing, lesson pacing and getting lessons done on time and not letting lessons bleed into one another. And obviously you want to mitigate that as much as possible, but when you don't and you don't have an exit card or something to measure that day's learning, the, the lesson's completely lost. So finding ways like putting having stuff at the ready that you can pull out at a moment's notice when you think that you won't have enough time that you can stop within those seven right. to five minutes right. with time left remaining is helpful. And one way I, I was trying to tell folks recently was there's that three two one exit card, the famous three two one, and I just told them to focus on the one one one. What's one thing you learned today about uh, democracy in Rome? Right. What's one question you have about uh, the rights of people in Rome? And what's one thing you want to learn more about? And using that as a way to gauge the extent to which kids learned what you wanted them to learn that day. Yeah, I I will say you read you read my mind because the one thing I was going to add was that um, I am a big fan of checking um, in as an economical way as possible. Absolutely, uh, I, think, I think I think I think efficiency and checking. I mean, it's it's not a stretch to see 
Unfortunately, and I, and I don't think they do it on purpose. It's just maybe they don't have strategies. I mean, you can see a teacher walk up and down rows and check every 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 student's paper. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not efficient, right? Uh, that's not allowing you to to do other things um, to help kids uh, to to challenge enrich kids, right? Um, so yeah, so that's that's that would be important to and, me. And you don't have to grade everything. No, you do. You not. don't have to grade everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yep. it's for you to help your planning yeah. purposes, not to give them a, a got it, a got it, grade. got it, got it. Didn't get it, Correct. got it, got yeah. it. Working Move towards how is it driving your instruction? Yep. All right, folks. Teacher tips. When you listen to this segment, make sure that you send us ideas for checking under checking for understanding uh, at Ed's Not Dead PC. Get in the conversation. Uh, most of that conversation will be uh, mediated by the one and only over here, Mr. C.H. Siddons. <laughs> he's, our, he's our resident instructional expert. Uh, me and Craig will occasionally have an interesting idea. Uh, not very not true. Yeah, but, but let us know what you think about Checking for Understanding. We want to hear your ideas, and we will share them on the air in our next, next Teacher Tips episode. Thanks for tuning in to Teacher Tips, and we will talk to you soon.